prayer, really, is what that is. Praying that God would do just that uh, for our nation, for churches across the land, that dry bones would live, dead hearts would awaken and come alive. Last week, I shared with you the two sides, or one side of the cross. There are two sides to the cross of Jesus Christ. Last week, we talked about the wrath of God side, how Jesus Christ satisfied the wrath of God on the cross for our sin. Today, we begin a new series in the month of February, and uh, the series is simply entitled Love. Today, I want to talk to you about the other side of the cross, and that is the God's love for sinners. We're going to talk about the love of God today. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about married love because of uh, the attack that marriages are coming under today, not only from the devil, but from our nation. And uh, God, biblical marriage is under attack in our nation, and uh, we want to honor marriages, and that's why we're having this great event uh, Friday night as a way to honor marriages, and then we're also going to uh, honor marriages in our service next Sunday morning. The third Sunday of February, I'm going to preach on our love for God. And then the last Sunday of February, I'm going to preach on our love for each other, brotherly love. So I want you to turn in your Bibles this morning to 1 John chapter 3. First John chapter 3. 1 John is a great book. In chapter 3 and chapter 4, the great two chapters of that book on love. Verse 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Behold, that's what I want us to see. That's what I want us to do today. I want us to behold the love that God has for us, the love of God. You know, God is the source of love. Love is of God. That's what the Bible says in 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. God invented love. We didn't invent love. God invented love. It's part of His image within us. When He made man in His own image, He created love in our hearts. No God, no love. You see, if you don't believe in God, you don't believe in love. You, there's hatred. Because without God, there is no love. There is no true love. Oh, there's lust, but there's not love. There's infatuation, but there's not love. There's affection, but there's not love. You see, God is the source of love. If you want to really love and to know love, you need to know God through Jesus Christ. God is, love is of God, but also the Bible says God is love, 1 John 4, 8. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. He repeats that in verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. How do you define God? Well, He can be defined many ways. Last week, we, we defined Him as holy. God is a holy God. He says, I am a holy God. But He also says, I am a God of love. I am love. God is love. A certain farmer had an unusual weather vane on his barn. Inscribed on the arrow of that weather vane were the words, God is love. A passerby turned in at the gate and he asked the farmer, what do you mean by that? Do you think God's love is changeable? That it veers about 
like an arrow turns in the wind? The farmer said, oh no. I mean that wherever the wind blows, God is still love. Listen, wherever the wind blows in your life, it may blow in some stiff, difficult directions, but don't ever question that God is love. God still loves you. No matter which way the wind is blowing in your life, God is love. That never changes. God first loved us. 1 John 4, 19 says, We love Him because He first loved us. Revelation 2, 4, Jesus rebuked the church at Ephesus and He said, You've done a lot of good things, but you've left your first love. The one who loved you first. Listen, long before your mama loved you, nobody can love you like a mama, right? Wrong. Tricked you. Long before your mama loved you. Long before your daddy loved you. Long before your teachers or your spouses or your children or your friends loved you or maybe even wounded you. God loved you. He told Jeremiah, said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were conceived in your mother's womb, God told Jeremiah, I knew you. Listen, God loved you before you were even conceived. Before you were even brought forth and took your first breath in this world, God loved you. That's the truth that I want you to claim for yourself. That's the truth spoken by the voice of Scripture. God says, I loved you first. God is love. He's the source of love. Don't ever forget that. But God is the perfection of love as well. And I want to share with you four things about God's the perfection of His love. First of all, it's universal. God loves everybody. For God so loved who? The Baptist? The Methodist? The white folks? The black folks? The Chinese folks? God so loved who? The world. It's universal. He doesn't love you more than He loves someone else. He doesn't love one race more than another. He doesn't love those of one religion more than he loves those of another religion. He loves the world. It's universal. Mark chapter 6. Jesus says he looked at the multitudes and says he was moved with compassion. He was stirred with compassion because they were weary as sheep without a shepherd. He even said in, in chapter 8, he said, now that's what Mark said about him. Then Jesus said in chapter 8, I am moved with compassion for this multitude. Then the rich young ruler, we've talked about him recently. You remember, he's the wealthy man who came to Jesus and he said, good teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? And, and Jesus shared a few things with him and then, the rich young ruler said, I've done all that since I was a kid. And Jesus said, but you still lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And the rich young ruler, it says, he turned away. He walked away sorrowful because he had great riches. In other words, he wasn't willing to exchange his wealth 
to follow Jesus, and it says, therefore, he went away sorrowful. Now listen, Jesus knew how the rich young ruler was going to leave him, sorrowful. But look what the scripture says. It says, Jesus, looking at him, what? Loved him. Jesus, knowing that this rich young ruler was going to reject him, Jesus, knowing that he was going to turn away his back on Jesus, he looked at him and he loved him. Listen, Jesus is looking at you this morning. He sees everything you've ever done, good, bad, and ugly. He knows your response before, to this message and to his love before you even heard it. And he loves you. He's loving you. He's loving you. It's universal. It's immeasurable. You can't measure it. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. He said, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And then he says in chapter 3, verse 18 and 19, he says, I want you to be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. He says, I want you to know how wide. I want you to know how long. I want you to know how deep. I want you to know how high. But he says, but the love of Christ is so immeasurable that it surpasses knowledge. Listen, God's love is immeasurable. You can't measure how much God loves you. You know, we say, we may ask when we were kids, Mommy, how much do you love me? And Mommy would say, oh, I love you this much. Well, there's a limit. There's a limit to human love. There's no limits to God's love. We tend to love those that love us. We tend to love those that accept us. We tend to love those that treat us good. There's no, that's not the kind of love God has. It's immeasurable. I love that Him... The love of God. It says, could we with ink the ocean fill? And were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill? And every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God would drain the oceans dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole though stretched from sky to sky. O oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. God's love is universal. It's immeasurable. It's unconquerable. Romans chapter 8, which is a passage that many saints of God have dearly loved for many years. Romans 8 the Bible says in verse 31, What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or 
famine or nakedness or peril or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, God's love is unconquerable. Nothing in the physical realm, he mentions in verse 35, no trouble that comes upon you, no distress, no persecution, no famine, no nakedness, no peril, no, no sword, nothing that comes against you in this physical realm can conquer the love of God in your life. It cannot separate you from God's love. Oh, you may feel separated from God's love, but that doesn't detract from the truth that God's love is still there. It's unconquerable. It, nothing in the spiritual realm can conquer God's love. He says, death can't even do it. Nothing in life, no angel, no demon, no power of hell or heaven, nothing in the future, nothing in the present can conquer God's love. It's unconquerable. And listen, God's love is also perfect. That's what he says in 1 John 4, 18. He said, perfect love casts out fear. And he says, God's love has, is perfect. It's not a gooey emotion. It's not a feeling you have for somebody. We think, I have this feeling for that person, therefore I love them. That's gooey emotion. That's not love. God's love is not a gooey emotion. It's bigger than affection. It's deeper than any human expression we could tack on to the word love. It's perfect. It's not a toleration of evil. You see, the world tells us today that, that if you love us, then you must tolerate our behavior. No, that's not love. That's actually hatred. Because when you love someone, you're willing to confront them with the truth and tell them that where you're headed is a road to destruction. And you don't want to go down that road. If you saw your children heading down a path that you knew would lead to their destruction, maybe because you've been there before, or you know somebody that's been there, or you know what God's Word says, <clears throat> wouldn't you in love want to warn them and try to keep them from going down that road? You see, God's love is not a toleration of evil. It's not a rubber stamp on sin. Just because God loves us and just because God accepts us and forgives our sin, He doesn't rubber stamp our sin. He doesn't rubber stamp Baptist sin. He doesn't rubber stamp anybody's sin. That's what we spoke of last week. You see, the Bible says in Revelation 3.19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. I'll give you an example. John 11 uh, John eleven five, Jesus, the, uh, John says about Jesus and Martha, he said, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Jesus loved them. But then when you look at what um, Luke 10, 41 says, you know, Martha's busy, 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 and Mary's sitting there just listening to Jesus. 
And Martha rebukes Mary and says, Lord, tell her to get up and start helping me. Well, Jesus, the scripture already said Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. But then he rebukes Martha. He says, Martha, Martha, you're concerned and busy about too many things. Mary has chosen the best part. Now, he loved Martha, but what did he do? He rebuked her. You see, this is perfect love we're talking about. We're not talking about some ooey-gooey emotion where we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Well, we want to make sure that we protect their emotions. That's not love. That can be very dangerous. God's love is perfect. It has nothing of the human element in it whatsoever. It's perfect, holy love. It is a transforming power. For God so loved the world, what? That He gave His only begotten Son. You think Jesus felt the love of God as He died on the cross? In fact, He felt forsaken by His Father. That's the kind of love we're talking about. It's a transforming power that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. We who were lost in our sins, dead in our sins and trespasses, now because of the love and the transforming power of His love, we are now children of the living God. The love of God is not just some ooey-gooey emotions, a transforming power. God's the source of love. He's the perfection of love. And let me share with you, God is the greatest. God's greatest expression of love is Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 8, the Bible says, God demonstrates His own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners. God demonstrated. God showed His love towards us in sending Jesus. The Bible says in Titus 3, For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Now, let me read that again because if you didn't find yourself the first time, look for yourself the second time. But we were ourselves once foolish. You ever done anything foolish? Disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. I don't know about you, but I see myself in that verse. That's where I was. But when the fullness or the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. You see, God's greatest expression of love was sending Jesus to die for those kinds of people that He just talked about in verse 3. Me and you. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. 
In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be, to be the propitiation for our sins. That's a funny word, propitiation. Not in the English vocabulary hardly anymore. It's a misunderstood term. It's the second time we hear it in the book of 1 John. It just simply means God's wrath satisfied. See, in that verse, we see both sides of the cross. We see that Jesus, that God sent Jesus Christ to express his love because Jesus Christ satisfied the other side, the wrath of God against sin. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 16, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. Revelation, one more time. It needed to be said before the Bible was closed. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the things of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. God's greatest expression of love is Jesus Christ. You see, yes, God is the source of love. He loves everybody. It's universal. It's immeasurable. It's unconquerable. It's perfect love. But the greatest expression of that love was Jesus Christ. Now listen, that kind of love can be, you would think that would be irresistible love. You would think if somebody loved me like that, I just couldn't resist. But yet people are today resisting and rejecting and spurning that love. In Matthew chapter 22 just listen. Jesus, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but Jesus told a parable of the kingdom. He said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son, and he sent out the servants to call those who were invited to the wedding. They were invited. But they were not willing to come. And verse 5 says, And they made light of it and went their own way. And then others persecuted the, the servants of the king who were actually out there giving the message, giving the invitation. You see, you would think that that kind of love is, is irresistible, but yet our world today is rejecting it. It's not only resisting it, it's rejecting the love of God. Now, if the greatest expression of God's love is Jesus, and you're rejecting God's love and, God, and Jesus, what is going to happen when you die? You will be forever separated. And, and by the way, if God is the source of love and you're completely forever separated from God in hell, you're completely forever separated from love. I had a girl tell me one time in Louisiana, I want to go to hell. All my friends will be there. Yeah, your friends from here will, may be there, but they won't be your friends when you get there. Because the Bible says in Isaiah 66 that in hell there's a hatred for all flesh. You will hate everybody else there, and everybody else there will hate you. There will be no love. You know why? Because, because they've rejected God's love, and God has removed His love from... There's no love in hell, because there's no God in hell. The only reason there's love here is because God is here. That's why you don't want to be alive during the tribulation. There's going to be a hatred. God's Spirit will be here in, in measure at that point. Now it's here in fullness in the, fulfill, in the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. But once he takes the church out of here, 
Those who are truly born again, there's going to be a measure of God's love, that's, God's spirit that's left. And so the love is, and, and his spirit's not going to fill it. So there's going to be hatred. People are going to be hating each other. You don't want to be alive then. You want to give your life to Jesus today. God's love must be received. It can be resisted. It can be rejected. But listen, if you want to make it to heaven, you've got to receive it. Just like a gift, you've got to accept it. The Bible says in John 1, 11 and 12, Jesus came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Behold, what manner of love the Father has given to us. that We might become the children of God. How do we become the children of God? We receive the love of God. What are we doing when we receive the love of God? We're receiving his greatest expression, Jesus Christ. You can't receive God's love and reject Jesus. It's impossible. It doesn't happen that way. Yes, God loves everybody. He even loves those who reject Jesus. But they cannot have the love of God. They cannot experience. They will not receive it because they've rejected Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, Christians, this next one is for you. God's love is experienced through obedience. Have you ever felt like God didn't love you? I believe most everybody has felt that way at some point in their life, even after being saved. God really doesn't love me. But you know, God's love, over and over again in Scripture, He tells us how to experience the love of God as believers. It's through obedience. We experience the love of God through obedience. That doesn't mean God doesn't love us when we're disobedient. He loves us just as much when we're disobedient as when we're obedient. But we do not experience the love of God when we're disobedient. We feel disconnected from God. Why? Not because He disconnected from us, because we disconnected from Him. We're the ones that pulled the plug on His love. The Bible says in John 15, 9 through 11, Jesus said, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide. In my love. How do I abide in God's love? He tells us in verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. I mean, that's black and white. Oh, excuse me, red and white. It doesn't get any plainer than how do I experience the love of God? How is it that I'm going to feel and experience the power of God's love as I walk in obedience? It's as simple as that. Do what you know you ought to be doing. You will feel and experience the power of of the love of God. You say, that's just a proof text. That's only one place, all right? I'll show you again. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 through 5. He says, now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. When I'm walking in obedience, I am experiencing the perfection of God's love in my life. If I'm walking in disobedience, I'm not experiencing the perfection of God's love. He says in verse 15, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If you're living, you say I'm a Christian, but you're living in the world, you're not experiencing the love of the Father. The Bible says in, in chapter 5 and verse 3, 1 John, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. And then the Bible says in Jude, Jude, verse 20. It's only got one chapter. But you, beloved, 
building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourselves in the love of God. How do I keep myself in the love of God? It's not that I can step out of God's love because His love is immeasurable, it's unconquerable, nothing can separate me from His love, not even my sin, but, but I can step out of that power, I can step out of that experience of enjoying God's love by sin, by disobedience. You want to experience the power of God's love? Walk in obedience. And God's love demands and deserves to be shared. You would think if, if, this is, if this is love, and God's the source of love, and it's universal, it's immeasurable, it's unconquerable, it's perfect, and the greatest expression of God's love is Jesus, that, that we would be eager to tell everybody. We, we need to be. But are you? Are you sharing this love? You know, there's a popular, or at least it was several years ago, on the top of the charts, Christian contemporary music <clears throat> from a song by King and Country, Let My Life Be the Proof of Your Love. Let my love look like you and what you're made of. Is your life the proof of God's love? Are you living proof that God is love? Are you sharing the love of God, this great love? It's not enough just to sit there and go, yep, preacher, preach it. God is love. Yes, preacher, preach it. Yes, Jesus is the only way. Yes, preacher, preach Are you giving it away? Is your life the proof of his love? Are you sharing it? It demands to be shared. It deserves to be shared. Mother Teresa I'm not making any statements about her soul. I'm just quoting something from her. No doubt she was a great humanitarian. And from all outward evidences, she was an expression of the love of God. I don't know anything about her soul or where she's spending eternity today, but because it all boils down to not how you live your life, but who you give your life to. Give your life to Jesus. But I do want to quote her in this. And you can almost picture her or hear her saying this in that little small, gentle voice. I am a little pencil in the hand of a writing God who is sending a love letter to the world. Oh, would you be that little pencil and let God use you to write his love on people's hearts. Let's bow together.